Last week we talked about words, and apparently a lot of folks were uh, impacted by that that teaching. We do that every once in a while. It's one that we learned quite a while, probably back in 2001, 2002. We learned that teaching. We've been uh, pretty consistent teaching it from time to time and learning to watch your words so that you don't curse, but you bless and you build up, not tear down. Uh, and so all with, within the framework or the overall topic of speaking blessings different ways to do that. This morning, I'm going to talk about authority and blessing. I'm combining two teachings together, briefly look at each one of them, because we need to understand our standing to be able to bless and what kind of authority we have to bless. And so I'm going to talk about three kinds of authority, spiritual authority, and how to increase our spiritual authority, so that when we speak, our words have more effect, more impact. Authority and blessing. Lord, would you take the words that we speak this morning and allow your Holy Spirit to breathe life into them? The things that we say that, or the things that are spoken that are not from you, let them fall to the ground, but those things that you want to emphasize, emphasize them. And those things that you want us to retain, enable us to retain them. And then to apply the things that we need to apply on a regular and consistent basis. So that we can be true, noble subjects of the kingdom of God. Those who carry out your plans and purposes. So bless this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I talk about spiritual authority, what I'm talking about is having influence in people's lives and having influence with heaven. There's probably no more helpless a feeling than praying about something and nothing happens. And we begin to feel like the heavens, as the psalmist would describe, the heavens are brass. It's like our words go up, hit that brass, and bounce right back down. They're not getting through. They're not penetrating. And feel like we're not accomplishing anything. But we want to grow in a capacity for our prayers to have impact, and we want our words to have impact in people's lives. So spiritual spiritual authority is, is influence with people and with heaven. When I speak... People listen and respond. That's what I, what I want to happen. Now, not that I control people. Not that I have this authority and I go around and get my, my wishes and my desires fulfilled in people's lives. But when I speak spiritual truth, that people will be captivated by it. They'll be able to retain it. They will be able to grasp it. See, that's the kind of spiritual influence that I'm talking about. But also, I want my words to be heard and listened to in heaven, and heaven responds when I speak. And I believe that there's a way that we can grow in an authority that actually increases heaven's response to us. There's qualifiers for that. We don't tell heaven what to do. But as we grow in Christ-likeness, as we grow in godliness and holiness, our desires become much more attuned to heaven so that when we speak the things that heaven is saying and wanting us to say, then there's a response. Then there's, there's action that takes place. So um, 
I'm getting a thought, and I thought I had it in here, now I don't, I don't see it, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. Ah, it comes up later. Okay, the first, there are three types of authority. There's positional authority, there's imparted authority, and there's earned authority, spiritual authority. Positional authority has to do with our standing with Christ. For those of you who have been here, when we have a special speaker come in and I turn the pulpit over to them and I do my little thing, you know, the little thing that I do, I am Kent Yorgi, pastor of New Beginnings Fellowship. I'm a child of the Most High God. Because of the positional authority that I have as pastor, I turn over that spiritual authority to speak into lives to whoever it is that's speaking because I understand positional authority. Positional authority has to do with our standing in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is the part that I want you to grasp. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Well, now, we don't really always grasp the fullness of that verse, but what that is saying is that he raised us up, past tense, and seated us, past tense, with Christ in the heavenly realms. So what that means is that there's a part of us that's already seated in heaven next to Jesus. What part of that is? Of us is that? Well, it's our spirit. Our spirit is seat. Now, when we talk about developing our spirit and learning to live by our spirit, how many of you are aware of your experiences in heaven seated next to Jesus? How many of you can re- recall a time of re- recognizing that that's actually happening? A few people. <laughs> you understand that that's supposed to be a fairly natural thing, for a Christian, we're, we're, we're made supernatural beings, and so our spirit should be aware that we're seated in the heavenly realms. So you'll have a kind of an idea of how well-developed your spirit is and how attuned you are to your spirit if you're able to understand when you're actually experiencing or, or, or connecting with God because of your, your position with him in Christ. Now, I want you to just think about this for a minute. Whether you are aware of your spirit there or not, your spirit is there because the Bible tells me so. And I believe the word, okay? That's what it's telling me. So I want you to think about this when it comes to words. I want you to imagine that uh, you are seated in the heavenly realms which you, because you are, but I want you to picture it. So you, you can talk to Jesus. When we know this, we know what prayer is, and we know that we can talk, but the reason that we can do that is because our spirits are right up there next to him. But what does he hear from our mouths? What are we saying a lot of the time? You understand why it's really important not to curse? You understand why it's important not to grumble and complain? I just have this picture of Jesus 
and he's got his whole flock up there around him. And he's telling us to love one another, and he's telling us to be kind to one another, and he's telling us um, to bless one another and speak psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. And all of a sudden, he hears this dissonance from somebody, and he looks over here, and there's Kent Yorgi over there in the corner grousing about somebody in the heavenly realm, seated next to Jesus. He hears this stuff. Okay, so just imagining that, what kind of spiritual authority, if that's my practice, if that's my habit, what kind of spiritual positional authority do I have to speak blessing? I, I kind of negate it, right? I negate that whole business. But the truth of the matter is that regardless of that, I have positional authority on earth. I mean, we need to watch our words, and it's really important. It's all p- part of the whole package. Um, But positional authority is spiritual authority over the things that I own or have legal access to. So I'm going to make this very practical. If you have a home, if if you own a home or if you're paying a mortgage in a home or if you rent a home or rent an apartment or uh, anything that, that you have legal access to, you have spiritual positional authority in that place. And so what you have authority to do is what I do every Sunday when I come here. Nobody hears me because I do it by myself. This morning I was the first one here, so I did it. I didn't have to go hide in the office and do it. I just did it out here. I said, I, am, I walked in. I'm announcing to everybody here that we can't see. I'm Kent Yorgi, child of the Most High God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. and I'm in covenant relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus. As pastor of New Beginnings Fellowship, I have positional authority to be in this place. And I call spirits of darkness to attention, and you have to leave. If you snuck in here, if you're trying to squat, if you're trying to sneak in, if somebody carried you in, you can't stay here. You have to go. The issue for, for every one of us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, the kingdom of God is in us, and the kingdom of God is portable. It's portable. It doesn't mean that it's cheap or flimsy, but it means we carry it, and so we take it wherever we go. And so... If I go to my house, I need to go. You all, need, you, all of you need to do this with your house. You need to go to your house. And when you get in there, say, <clears throat> guess who I am? No, you don't have to say that. Say, I am. Declare to the unseen realm, I am so-and-so. This is my house. And I have positional authority in this place to call spirits of darkness because of my relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus. And I command all these spirits of darkness to leave. You cannot interfere with me. You have to leave. You have to go. And don't come back. And every once in a while, you have to remind them. And, and the more you do it, the more they get used to it, and then they run when they see you coming. And they just... Sometimes there are things that are lodged in our homes. I don't want to talk about this. It's really a, a message for another time. But I have some things that may help you. But sometimes there are, there are things that happened in your house prior to your coming there that are stubborn, and you need to do a, a more thorough cleansing because they keep... You may temporarily move them but they come back because they have they have gotten legal authority and I don't I don't have time to get into that today um, because of what was done in the house prior we'll come back and so you need to do more thorough cleansing so I have some paperwork on cleansing your homes from anything like that a prayer that you can read through and pray 
uh, that just takes authority over that stuff. So we have positional authority in our homes. We have positional authority with anything that we rent. If you rent a hotel room, or you pay for a hotel room, or if you rent a vacation home, or if you rent a car, um, or anything else that you purchase, you have a legal right, positional authority, to clear that thing of any demonic influence. And believe me, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's not people that we fight with. <clears throat> Sometimes people can go into a, a hotel room and they just feel like there's the darkness there. Well, we have authority to tell it. You, as long as I'm here, you're not here. Just get it out. Um, vacation home. We do this when we go on vacation. Rent a little apartment or rent a house. The first thing we do when we get in there is not unpack our bags, but we take spiritual authority, say, no messing with us down here. Wherever it is, up here or in this place, you're not going to mess with us. Because the truth of the matter is, they will if we don't say no. They don't ask our permission. They don't come to our door and go, I just want to let you know that because of what happened here before we're here, and we like to mess around, you know, with people that come here, and we're going to bother you. So is that, like, is that okay? They don't do that. They just mess with you, right? You know that. I mean, I don't know. So you just tell them to get out of there. Be gone. Um, what else? What else? That rental car. Airline seat. If you, if you fly an airplane, you can take authority, positional authority there and say, I don't want to hear anything that's contrary to the kingdom of God while I'm here on this airplane. And the more you practice it, the better you get at it, the more definitive those parameters become. Any public place that you go to, you, can, you have authority. So that if you go to the store and you just don't want to be harassed by any spiritual entity. You just, when you walk in the store, I bless this place, and I take authority over any unclean spirit that might try to influence me when I'm in here. Be gone. And see, what you're doing as well is you, not only are you getting them away from you because they'll try to pick on you. They will. Uh, but you're, you're clearing the atmosphere so that you can speak blessing into that place. Now, as soon as you leave, if there's not another Christian there doing the same thing, then they just come right back because they haven't been permanently, permanently dealt with. But any, any public place, any park that you go to, any store, um, any place, any place you're invited, if somebody invites you into their home, maybe they don't know the Lord, and you're hoping for a chance to share the gospel with them, I can guarantee you this, you can talk to them, and if the, if the conversation ever gets toward the gospel, the phone will ring, kid will start crying, the dog will start barking, somebody will knock on the door, something will interrupt you. Why? Because there are influences in that house that don't want the gospel to be presented. So you either find some place to go, say, hey, can I use your bathroom? And you go in the bathroom and say, I am who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have positional authority in this place because I was invited here. And I take authority over the unclean spirits. And, I, and you can do that even before you go. 
But you're learning to assert your positional authority because you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realm and there's certain aspects of life that we can clear things away and get rid of them. You can do it in your workplace, wherever you work. If you have a cubicle or if there's an area that you work in, you can take positional authority there and say, I I don't want to be harassed. Now, that doesn't mean that everything goes peachy, keen, and rosy but it eliminates a lot of the other junk that might come at you that are spiritual influences that you don't have to put up with. You don't have to put up with. And so just take authority and say, this is who I am. Get out of here. And I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. I'm taking way too long. Uh, the, sec- the second kind of authority is imparted authority. And this is the, the laying on of hands. And we do that a lot in church. We pray for people. We pray for anointing. It's an imparted kind of authority. We may um, pray for people for a position that they're taking in the church. We may pray for uh, a gifting. Paul prayed over Timothy, and Paul wrote, and Timothy said, let's remember the gift that you received by the laying on of our hands. When we prayed for you, Timothy was imparted a spiritual gift when Paul prayed for him. So that's imparted authority. Uh, it doesn't, it's not always the strongest one, and it doesn't happen that often. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does it within a meeting. He, the Holy Spirit just comes and imparts like the love of God to everybody that's there, or he imparts to everybody um, a sense of awe or wonder. There can be things that, that the Holy Spirit just imparts um, sovereignly, boom. The most significant impartations that I understand from my perspective are the ones that the Holy Spirit initiates. And he says, you know, I want you to pray for this person and pray for them for this. When it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom that the Spirit gives, and says, pray for them because I'm about to do something with them and they need something, so pray for them, lay your hands on them and impart to them this. Well, then I'm pretty confident that God's going to do it because he told me to do it. I'm not making it up on my own. A lot of people go to meetings of big-name speakers, and they want those people to pray for them because they want what they have. But you can't always impart those kinds of things. You can't impart somebody's history and their experience and the things that they've learned. But there is imparted authority. The most powerful, the most significant authority that there is is earned authority. Earned spiritual authority. It's like the difference between armchair quarterbacks and an actual quarterback, like a professional quarterback. It's as if a bunch of us are standing around after church and we're talking about football and we're talking about, I don't know, our favorite team and whatever team that might be. Uh, They benched the regular quarterback and they're putting a rookie in and, you know. And so we're giving our opinions. You know, we're all giving our opinions and all of a sudden in through the door walks Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Okay, who do you want? I mean, you know. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes walk in with the insurance guy. 
boos from the crowd. The point is that in he walks and he has significant authority. Why? Because of experience, because of the training that he's gone through, because of the things that he's done, the things that he knows. It's knowledge, it's wisdom, it's experience, it's having been in the trenches, it's having started as a kid, learning skills and building on those skills all the way through his life. And so when he comes in, when he talks about football and quarterback play, we would all feel kind of like, what do we know? And we would all probably be quiet. You understand? So that's, that's earned authority. So in, in the spiritual realm, in, the, in, in this context, we earn spiritual authority by growing in Christ-likeness, godliness, holiness, watching our words, but we also grow in spiritual authority by serving. By serving. How do you serve? Suppose you want to bless your neighborhood and reach your neighborhood. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you earn authority in your neighborhood? Well, we've talked about this from time to time, but one of the ways that you can do that is by picking up trash. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Because you're willing to do the least significant thing to bless your neighbors because you care about them and you love them and you just want to serve. And so you begin to pray for them and you look for things that you can do to help them. You see somebody working on their house or doing some of their house, you go over and you say, can I give you a hand? Or you find out something and you bless them with a meal or you do something for them or you just find some way to serve them. And in your home, you pray for them and pray for them and you pray blessing over the people in your neighborhood. And what you're doing is you're building spiritual authority. Now, the spiritual authority, they don't necessarily know what's going on. But heaven does. Heaven does. And somebody else sees what's going on too. The demonic realm sees what's going on as well. And so you build authority by serving, by growing in Christ-likeness, and being willing to do whatever it takes to gain experience, to get beat up and bruised, get trampled on, you understand that sometimes being, being mistreated, being ignored, being kicked when you're down, and you respond correctly with love and kindness and forgiveness, do you know what that does? Man, that's like, that's like spiritual authority squared. <laughs> Humility, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've said this many times, and, I've, and as long as I've said it, I always question myself, and uh, I, I wait for me to come up with a reason that this isn't true. You know, I'm waiting for my own mind to actually come up to, you know what, this, you're wrong, this isn't right, but I, but I still carry this, I still maintain this. If there's a shortcut to spiritual authority, if there's a shortcut to spiritual maturity, it's humility. That's the shortcut. Now, gaining spiritual authority 
is an internal thing. It's something that people don't necessarily see, but it grows inside of you as you respond correctly to situations and circumstances. Some people, some people feel that the way to, the way to defeat the enemy is to go around by shouting uh, or, or, or using spiritual warfare and tearing down strongholds, and there's a place for that. But the way to do it is to attack the spiritual powers that are out there. The things that you see wrong in society. But I, I firmly believe that the way to overcome those things is by earning spiritual authority. And then we just speak a word and it's done. How did Jesus live? What did he do over the storm? I take authority over you, foul, unclean spirits. He said, peace be still. Why? Because he walked in authority. Earned authority. And so that's what we have to shoot for. I want you to think about Mother Teresa. Incredible, incredible spiritual authority, earned authority. How did she earn authority? By serving people. Did she use it to boss people around, to manipulate? Seems like the more authority she gained, the more people she could help. That was her goal. Not to be puffed up, not to be proud, not to... Be recognized. She didn't do any of that recognition. She did it to serve. And the more she did it, the more effective she became. And the more renowned she had. And the more people began to... (laughs) Even people that weren't Christians couldn't say anything bad about her. Do you hear me? They couldn't say anything because she had earned such spiritual authority by serving and loving that they couldn't, they, they, there was nothing to come against her with, and why would you? So that's, see, that's what God wants to grow in us. He wants us to, to grow in that whole area of, of earned authority. The, the truth of the matter is that when someone has grown and earned uh, that kind of authority, that the devil just, he doesn't even fight because he recognizes Spiritual authority. Think about Jesus when the demoniac came toward him. Did they challenge him? Did they fight with him? Did they try to knock him off his game? No, they groveled and frowned and said, have mercy on us, you know, take it easy with us. Why? I mean, because they knew they were done. They knew they had, they had no standing. Why? Because of the weight of the authority that Jesus carried. And so that's really how we want to live our lives is to grow in that whole aspect. Didn't I say that the second part was blessing? I'll do this quickly. Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
This is Jesus' um, evangelism plan, okay? Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. So the first thing you do is you speak peace to the house. Peace. Okay? Peace. What am I saying? Anytime you go into a store, anytime you come into church, anytime you go anywhere, the first thing out of the thing you should say is, I speak peace to this place. I bless this place with peace. Go into a neighbor's house, you're visiting with somebody. The first thing that you should whisper, you don't have to say it to them, but I bless this place with peace. Speak peace over it. As you grow in spiritual authority, that blessing of peace will become stronger and more powerful and effective. The first thing you do is you bless that place with peace. You take the time, if you're wanting to witness to somebody and share the gospel with them, the first thing you do is you bless them with peace and you talk to the Lord about them before you talk to them about the Lord. I mean, that only makes sense. Sometimes we've been taught to share the gospel with people, and you need to get them lost. You need to convince them that they're on their way to hell, and then they'll trust Jesus as their Savior. It hasn't really worked all that well for me. You know, you're going to hell, and you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. Okay. It's rare when that happens, unless it's a setup that the Holy Spirit has already designed. But you bless them with peace. You talk to God about them before. You talk to them about God. Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go... From house to house, whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Somehow I lost that stuff here. So the next step, the second step, is fellowship with them. Get to know them. Spend time with them. Just hang out with them. Don't have an agenda other than getting to know them. Learn about them, encourage them, and then when you go home, pray for them. Speak peace, and then spend time with them. And then it says in verse 9, and heal the sick. In other words, pray for their felt needs. Maybe they have a financial issue. Maybe they have a relational issue in their family, or maybe they have sickness or illness and pray for them and continue to pray for them and when god begins to move and answer prayer they begin to see god moving and working they start asking questions and then you say the kingdom of god has come near to you then you begin to talk to them about the kingdom of god so this is jesus method of salvation as he told the disciples he was about to go to all these towns and villages in Israel, he said, just go, go two by two, don't take anything with you. When you get there, speak peace. If they welcome you in, just eat whatever they give you, get to know them. If they have a need, pray for them. Simply just pray for them. 
And when the opportunity comes, then share the gospel with them. Talk to them about me. Talk to them about the kingdom. It's a pretty different kind of a plan than we're, we are used to. Let me just do one thing, and then I will be done with this teaching. Peace. Peace in the Greek means this. Security, safety, prosperity, felicity, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. You have to understand that when Jesus said peace, he had in mind the Hebrew word shalom. We'll look at that in a minute. But security, safety, prosperity, felicity. There's something about peace that you want to envelop people with. It's kind of all-encompassing. Go to the next slide, which is shalom. Notice that it's Shalom from Salam, Salem, which is Salem, city of peace. Shalom, to be safe, sound, healthy, perfect, complete, signifies a sense of well-being and harmony both within and without. It's a completeness, a wholeness, peace, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of vegetation, or discord, a state of calm without anxiety or stress. Thank goodness we don't have to say all that. I bless you with a complete uh, sense of well-being and harmony, with safe, sound, healthy, perfect, uh, uh, tranquility, prosperity, fullness. I, ble- I bless you with peace. I bless you with shalom. I think that's awesome. God has given us this word to just peace. If you ever read the, God, the, uh, the epistles that, that Paul wrote, peace, he, he always starts his letters with peace and something else, but it's always peace because he knows the all-encompassing nature of that word to bless with peace. And that's what God's calling us to do. So, I put these two together to help us to to get a a little better picture of how we can grow in spiritual authority, whether it's taking our place in positional authority. We need to do that. Understanding imparted authority, but also understanding earned authority, that we can grow. We can grow in our authority. The fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man fall to the ground. No, are powerful, accomplish a lot. A righteous man, a man who walks in integrity, a man and woman who walk in integrity. There is a dynamic that increases as we walk in holiness, as we speak blessing, as we serve others. We earn authority, and there's different ways, different, there's all kinds of things that you're going through right now. We all have plenty of challenges in our lives right now that are actually God-ordained challenges for us to grow in authority and to get promotions in this whole area of earned authority if we'll just respond correctly. If we will speak blessing rather than grumbling and complaining. Understanding that we're seated in the heavenly realms right next to Jesus And he not only hears us, but he sees the expression in our face and sees the emotion with which we talk. Ouch. 
he has so much for us. He wants so much for us. He's given us more than we realize that we can walk in if we'll just step into it and grow in the ways that he wants us to. So learn to practice those things. Learn to take positional authority. Look for ways that you can serve. And wherever you go, speak blessings of peace. Understand what shalom is. So that the kingdom of God can advance. It's going to advance through his people, us. And so we need to be as engaged as we can be. Father, thank you for all that you've given us, the opportunities you've given us.